Thanks for joining us for this week's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. We normally bring you topics related to your job search and career progression, but I was recently contacted by David Lucier, a Green Beret from the Vietnam War, to discuss a different but very important and relevant topic. David struggled to find a sense of normalcy after leaving the war, and once he was home, he experienced the internal war of post-traumatic stress. In recent wars, the VA estimates that between 11 and 20% of veterans experience post-traumatic stress. This week, David joins the show to discuss the mental health challenges that many veterans face, his own experience dealing with post-traumatic stress, and how to get help or provide help to a friend who's experiencing these challenges. If you've been affected by post-traumatic stress, I hope hearing from David in this episode encourages you to get help or encourages you to assist a loved one in their recovery. If you have any questions about this interview or topics for a future podcast, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hi, David. Thanks for speaking with me today. Well, good morning to you, too. Um, thanks for the opportunity to, to, to talk with you. Well, I'm really excited to have you. This is a different topic than we typically cover on the podcast. We normally cover, you know, things related to career transition and interview prep and things like that. But I think this is a topic that's super important and it's really relevant to a lot of our listeners. So whether there's anyone listening right now who currently struggles with post-traumatic stress after serving in the military or if you know someone that does, we want to continue to provide resources to help not only in your post-military career, but after um, life after the military as well. So, David, you'll be a great guest for this, and I know you can speak on this regarding your own background. But before we dive into it, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on this morning. Um, uh, again, my name is David Lucier, and a um, uh, little bit about my background is uh, at uh, the ripe old age of 19, I joined the Army. Uh, both my parents were World War II veterans. My mom was a uh, women's air service pilot. My dad was a lieutenant commander in the Navy, and uh, he floated around on a destroyer for a couple of years in the South Pacific. And, um, you know, the expectation from my parents, for my parents, was that I was going to go to college right after high school. I joined the Army, much to their dismay, um, and uh, I went to... Uh, Basic training, uh, went to uh, advanced uh, airborne infantry training, uh, went to jump school, and then I was recruited into uh, U.S. Army Special Forces. And after about a year of training there, um, I was uh, authorized to wear the Green Beret. Shortly after that, uh, I had orders to uh, report to Vietnam, where I volunteered for a uh, what they call a mobile strike force unit. And what we did is we hired... Uh, uh, tribal mercenaries, basically tribal ethnic people, and uh, equipped them, trained them, supplied them, and then led them against the North Vietnamese Army, uh, mostly on the Ho Chi Minh Trail. So um, after after uh, leaving Vietnam in the Army, um, I uh, got married and uh, started school in the fall and uh, went to Arizona State University. Uh, graduated with honors and then started my uh, career in telecommunication finance, which is what I did for most of my career. And uh, then in 2000, uh, 2003, yeah, 2003 um, I got a phone call from a friend in uh, uh, Special Forces and said, um, offered me a job to do some security work in Iraq. So I did that for a couple of years, came home. 
2008, I went to work for the Combined Joint Special Operations Task Force in uh, Afghanistan, where I was reintroduced to um, the uh, uh, Special Forces A teams around the country and worked with them for a while. Came home, uh, kind of looked around, wondered what I was going to do. And uh, I kept hearing about this thing called transition. And uh, the, the, the basic message was uh, reach out to uh, friends, family, community, which I did. And I kind of got and started getting involved in the veterans community. And 10 years later, uh, I'm still involved in the uh, veterans community and uh, on a lot of different levels, both the uh, federal, state, uh, county, and municipal levels. And uh, here I am. That brings us up to date. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, having a military career that was as long as yours was, I mean, you joined at 19. That's very young. And you've had an impressive military career. I would assume that that makes the transition all the more daunting when you are getting out because that's all you've known for so long. So how would you describe your transition when you left the military? Uh, quick and dirty. <laughs> it was... Um, uh, you know, when I got, I flew back from, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I flew back from Vietnam, uh, landed at uh, McCord Air Force Base. Um, I had uh, just a few days left on my enlistment, so I opted to leave. Uh, they processed me out in 18 hours, gave me a brand new Class A uniform, and uh, paid me uh, back pay and whatnot. And I found myself literally standing on the corner in Seattle, Washington. Uh, with a pocket full of cash, and that was my uh, that was my transition, my initial transition. I uh, made my way home, where I was greeted by my family, and um, uh, stayed home for the holidays, uh, and and then started thinking about uh, work and school. So uh, I got a uh, got a job in Phoenix, Arizona. So I came down here, and Arizona State was uh, co-located. So I made an application there and was accepted. And um, my so my my transition was uh, as far as the uh, the army was concerned. Uh, the Department of Defense was pretty well done with me, and so uh, they said their goodbyes, and I said mine, and and uh, that was really the long and the short of it. Um, we didn't have much of a there wasn't really a transition period uh, from the standpoint of anything official. But uh, mm -hmm. there I was by myself, um, and uh, looking at uh, looking at school in the near future, and and uh, um, that was uh, that was about it. Uh, there wasn't any, uh, there were no seminars, there was no uh, TAPS program. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we were pretty much on our own, and then uh, to make matters a little more challenging. Uh, you can imagine the uh, Vietnam War was still going on, and it was not a popular war. Uh, and at that particular time, a lot of people sort of blamed uh, uh, the, uh, the warriors, the soldiers who participated uh, in its failure. And mm -hmm. so uh, it was kind of a double whammy. Uh, but uh, uh, my family was uh, very supportive, and that was helpful. But uh, I put my head down. Buried a lot of stuff, and uh, like I say, just uh, uh, I was taught to uh, coming out of the coming out of the army. Um, you know, you adapt, you put your head down, you drive on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, all military transitions are unique. So you might have something that is a driver to you in one area, whether you want to be in a specific location or if there's a career path you're really passionate about. So they each have their own challenges depending on what it is that you're seeking. What are some of the challenges that you think that you face specifically getting out of the military a little bit later in life? Well, my uh, my uh, uh, my challenges were I think somewhat, you know, similar to other people's challenges. Number one, you got to figure out, you know, do I go to school or do I uh, go to work? Uh, those are kind of the, the two choices. And so um, I decided to uh, start work because I had a, a, a few months before school started uh, and then and started school. But at the time, uh, again, there was, uh, there was no, you know, veteran support system in place. And so, um, again, I just sort of put my head down onto school. It was very strange because I was, you know, four or five years older than most of, the, most of my contemporaries in, you know, sitting in my classroom. Uh, in fact, I was as old, maybe even a year or two older than some of the, some of the teaching assistants, the TAs. And, um, and some of the professors really weren't used to uh, not necessarily being challenged, but you know, asking the the, the, the probing questions, or criticizing their approach, in a uh, in a positive way. But some of them didn't take it very well, and so they suggested maybe I find another classroom, uh, which I did. But it only happened a couple of times. But uh, the idea that uh, I was a veteran, uh, uh, I didn't I didn't broadcast. Nobody asked. Uh, the fact that I was a Vietnam veteran. Uh, was uh, certainly something that I kept uh, under my hat, if you will. And the fact that I was a Vietnam combat veteran was something that was just unspoken um, uh, the entire time I went to school. Sure. Well, you know, David, you've said a few things that I think lead us very well into the topic that we're discussing today. You know, you say in the Army, you're really supposed to just put your head down and get the job done. And then also returning to um, returning to regular civilian life. And you don't necessarily want to broadcast your past and tell everyone what you've done. I'm sure that brings up a lot of conflicting feelings in you and really does lead to, um, you know, the the post-traumatic stress. So I do want to talk about that a little bit more. And I want to make sure that I'm using the right terminology here because this can be a very sensitive subject for people that are, you know, going through this. I don't want to offend anybody. Um, So at some point we decided to drop the disorder from PTSD and just call it PTS instead. Um, So before we get into, you know, talking about the other things we're going to talk about, I kind of want to ask you in your opinion, do you think that that's a good or a bad thing? I mean, I've seen just and heard from other people that it, you know, dropping the D from it and not calling it it a disorder, it could be kind of diminishing it. But I could also see by getting rid of that, that it's kind of destigmatizing it as well. What's your opinion on that? Well, um, being a service-connected PTS uh, uh, veteran, (laughs) um, I I think that uh, dropping the D in the disorder uh, did a lot of really good things. Number one, yeah, it it, it helped reduce the the ideas uh, being stigmatized, as far as you know, having some disorder. I mean, that's uh, um, that, that that's really a big um, that's a that's a that's a dark mark on a, on on anybody, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, I think dropping the D was was a great idea. Uh, it uh, 
it, it did. It helped uh, lessen the stigma of uh, of the condition. And let me let me just really say very quickly. Um, you know, I, I kind of compare going to war uh, as a soldier uh, to someone asking you to uh, go swimming, but they don't want you to get wet. And, and uh, you know, going to war, uh, anybody, if I mean, you know, assuming you're not a, uh, uh, you know, sociopath, you don't have a sociopathic condition, um, war is going to affect you. Combat is going to affect you. Um, uh, being in being in a hostile environment is going to affect you, and and there's just no two ways around it. Um, but you know there's a continuum, and so it goes from uh, little to no effect um, all the way up through uh, total disability and uh, inability to uh, you know interact with uh, human beings or your community, that kind of thing. And so it mm -hmm. runs that whole gamut. So um, somebody ends up on that on that uh, bell-shaped curve somewhere uh, after they've experienced after they've experienced uh, combat, and so yeah. uh, that you know knowing that I think uh, helps folks um, uh, come to grips with their experience. And uh, the other thing that I learned uh, in counseling uh, at the VA was the fact that this was a a point in time in our lives that um, you know we were affected uh, by it because of the circumstances we were in, and we're no longer in those circumstances. So um, it, it it helps to understand that as well. So um, understanding that this is this is actually a, a I mean this is a uh, and a lot of people have called it this. It's a it's a warrior's journey. And you know the warrior's journey can be uh, you, you can read about it you know from uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey so it goes back thousands of years uh, millions of people have been through it um, um, and I'm just one of you know several million people who took that journey and then uh, eventually um, you know most of us do come home and so uh, when you uh, step out of that role that you've been in. It's almost like stepping off onto another planet. Um, you know, you dress differently, uh, you speak differently, uh, your your perception of your environment is different. Um, it, you know, it's almost like landing literally in a in a in a totally foreign land. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that where a hundred years has passed, and and there you are. You don't know the language. Uh, you don't know how to you know really navigate uh, your new environment it's very very difficult uh, and then you've got you know like i did I, I had challenges as well with pts um there was a, a lot of guilt uh in me and and thinking that i'd really kind of abandoned my team abandoned the people that i you know fought with um and so it it's uh, it's it's not easy but on the other hand there is help out there and um uh, there are a lot of lot of resources for veterans, uh, but you really have to take that first step and reach out. Um, so that uh, um, that that's uh, almost a requirement, but uh, mm -hmm. it's it's uh, it's it's a challenge, no doubt. Uh, but we all go through it, and um, we're not different. We're not uh, we're not we're not crazy. Um, you know, we're we're uh, we're just folks that uh, uh, did a job at a certain time in a, di a certain place, 
um, came home and really just wanted to kind of go to school, have a family, and get on with our lives. I think that was a powerful analogy that you gave about, you know, they want us to swim, but they don't want us to get wet. I think that for, you know, someone who hasn't served, it's it feels good to tell someone, hey, thank you for your service and to appreciate all that the military does, but to not necessarily want to really know about it or kind of get involved in the messy parts of it. And so I don't think that people are being disingenuous when they say thank you for your service or trying to, you know, diminish any of the things that service members have gone through. It, I just think it's a lack of um, understanding. Well, and, you know, the, the, the communication, what I've learned is two ways. And so not not every instance of someone who may see a shirt or a hat or something that uh, identifies you as a veteran, uh, not not it's not uh, appropriate in every instance to you know crank up a conversation. But mm -hmm. uh, quite frankly, I, I'm I'm kind of on the lookout for it. So when someone thanks me for my service, um, I'm I'm. Uh, uh, it's a good way to engage, and I don't mean in a, an accusatory way or anything. I mean just in a in an educational sense. Uh, what struck me one time, and I heard it a lot, is uh, when it came to uh, trying to explain uh, a veteran uh, to a civilian, and and uh, they you know the veterans always start off by saying, well, they don't know, they weren't there, and and my response is, well. Maybe it's maybe it's time that you help educate them, but that means telling your story. That means getting out of yourself, and and uh, that doesn't mean you have to sit and tell them, you know, the the blood and gut story or anything. Mm -hmm. But just the uh, you know just the fact that you are a human being, you had this experience. Uh, it was a horrific experience in some cases, um, and uh, you know you you thank them for their support. Um, but you know it's a, it's a good opportunity to open up a dialogue, and uh, like I say, it's not always there in every instance. Um, but uh, it it, it uh, I, I keep myself open for that opportunity and that uh, that that option. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned a few minutes ago going to counseling. So what was it that initially prompted you to reach out for support with PTS and? Um, you know, in hindsight, do you kind of wish that you had done it sooner, or do you think that you did it at the right time? Oh, I, you know, uh, as with a lot of people, I just, I wish, you know, uh, you always wish you did better <laughs> sooner, <laughs> but uh, that's that's uh, a lot of times just not the case. And so uh, I could, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, I've played the OG what if and only if and gee, if I'd have just done this or just done that, everything would have turned out. And you know, that, that's an easy game to play with yourself, uh, especially uh, coming out of a combat tour. Uh, you know, uh, you're, 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 uh, you're wrestling with two emotions simultaneously. You're really glad that you're still alive uh, and you're really sad that, um, you know, you, you probably lost someone. Uh, and so, it's hard to process those simultaneously, but um, uh, that's kind of kind of what happens. Um, and I was very, very fortunate. Again, my family was very supportive. Uh, in particular, I've got a younger sibling. Well, I've got I've got ten siblings, so um, a lot to choose from there. <laughs> <laughs> and my youngest sibling, um, uh, my youngest sister, 
uh, you know, just uh, was was gentle but firm, and she kind of just kept after me. It wasn't just you know she came over one day and said, hey, you know, you you ought to go get help. Um, and uh, uh, but you know that that was the message, and and uh, she kind of kept after me. And like I say, she was persistent, but she was gentle. And um, for whatever reason, at one point, um, it it um, it kind of took. And so I uh, went to the VA, um, talked to somebody there about you know what I thought I needed, and uh, we chatted for a while. And the uh, the person I was talking with said, well. You know, we do have several we do have several options, and um, uh, one of them is is uh, individual counseling. And uh, I I said, yeah, I, th I think I'd feel most comfortable doing that. So uh, I was assigned a counselor. We got together, um, and fortunately, uh, I kind of hit it on the first first go around as far as you know the. Uh, um, uh, you know, matching. I mean, it's a, it, you know, it's a little like dating. Uh, finding a counselor, you want you want to find somebody who mm -hmm. you talk to, you feel comfortable with, uh, knows how to, uh, you know, measures you so they kind of know, you know, um, where to go, how to go. Uh, and so I was very very lucky. I, uh, I kind of hit that on the first first go round. And and one of the things I wanted to uh, stress to your listeners too your audience is that uh, it is. I mean, it is like dating. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I went to the VA and the counselor was horrible. Well, did you ask for another counselor? Well, no. Well, um, you know, sometimes, you know, that first date just doesn't go very well and you just don't go back. But that doesn't mean you stop dating. And so mm -hmm. that, to me, it means you don't stop asking. And so it's very, very important that, uh, you know, if if uh, the the the, uh, the counselor that you may be assigned to, or you know, in a group session, um, those those kind of things, or whatever the the alternative is for for uh, uh, you know uh, for for treatment for for you know getting these things uh, up and out of you, um, you have to decide that individually. Uh, like I say, I was lucky. I. Uh, um, uh, met the counselor, uh, we got along, we did well. Uh, I went through a, a, you know, an entire course in a treatment and uh, kind of came out the other end feeling a whole lot better. And that was thanks to my sister, Jenny, who, you know, again, um, said, uh, you know, life doesn't have to be this way. And I was surprised because um, I thought it was, and I was uh, hugely mistaken. And it took a long time. I mean, this is um, this is just a few years ago. And so, um, and uh, just so your audience knows, I, I uh, I'm 71 years old, and uh, uh, you know, went through my life uh, with uh, with this thing called PTS, and uh, probably a little moral injury, you know, uh, stashed in there somewhere as well, and. Um, uh, I found that life didn't have to be that way, and uh, yeah, sure. I wish I had done it sooner. I wish I had done it better. But you know, um, pretty hard looking back, and uh, you, you know, you, you can't turn the you know the hands of time back. So hands of the clock mm -hmm. back. So uh, you know, you you uh, um, 
pick up where you are and and uh, make the best of it and i think i did and uh, you know there's still challenges but uh, now you know how to uh, how to handle them now i know not only how to swim but when i uh, get to shore i know i know enough to towel off and get dry so <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I'm sure that this the counseling that you've received from the VA has helped your life in a lot of different ways. I'm sure it's helped even with your relationships and just having peace of mind. Is there anything that kind of sticks out to you that you think just has significantly changed in your life or gotten better since getting mental health treatment? Well, you mentioned a couple of them and and uh um <coughs> um you know, a stable relationship, not only, you know, a, a relationship with the uh, the woman that I'm with now, but um, really helping the relationship that I that I have now with my siblings. And so, um, and, and I find that that's true of, of, of other people. I and mean, I still, I still have my limitations um, and, and uh, I recognize them, uh, you know, I honor them, I respect them. And and uh, but I also have learned to you know kind of honor and respect other people as well, uh, and uh, so that that's uh, you know so relationships is is uh, it's all about relationships, and um, so I, I feel very very fortunate that I've, I've been able to um, in some cases repair relationships, uh, in other cases really enhance them and bring them to a level that uh, is far more meaningful now than uh, what I was capable of giving before. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that the therapy has helped you just be more, more honest version of yourself. And so I'm sure being able to be that version of yourself with friends and family does help to strengthen those relationships and make them much better than they were before. Yeah. And, and, you know, not so quick, you know, when somebody makes a comment or asks a question, not to be so quick to dismiss it because it, you know, I, I, I've been the king of dismissiveness. <laughs> and, um, it, it, uh, it, it doesn't enhance relationships. And, and uh, you know, when you talk about relationships, you really have to talk about honesty. And if you're not, if you're not talking about, you know, uh, things that come from the heart, come from the gut, um, you know, those, those friendships then are, are, are pretty superficial. And so um, uh, getting a little bit, you know, getting deeper with my siblings was, was very, very important. And uh, I, I uh, uh, really quite taken by it, still am. Um, so, uh, and, the, and the same holds true for, you know, people that I hold close. Um, I've lived in this, uh, this community now for about 25 years. And um, it's, a, it's, it's a great community. I love living here. Um, and and really love the uh, uh, the relationship that I have now with my community and uh, close members uh, the close members that I have in it wouldn't trade them for anything and I, I would only wish that uh, everybody uh, could uh, could realize that and experience it. Yeah, definitely. Why do you think that some veterans, and you probably know this just from your own personal experience, but why do you think that some veterans are reluctant to um, really seek help for any kind of mental health challenges or even just, you know, experiencing a reluctancy to talk about it? Sure. Well, uh, it goes to the warrior ethos. 
and and uh, the warfighter ethos. Uh, and that that doesn't necessarily, you know, a warfighter is uh, to me encompasses all service members, and and uh, those warriors uh, are 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 trained and live in an environment that um, uh, encourages and trains for self-reliance, uh, to be strong, to complete the mission, uh, to be that that rugged individualist, uh, while at the same time participating, you know, as a team member uh, for, for the, uh, so, so that the, the, the mission not only continues, but is successful. And so, you know, as a, as a, as a, as an individual uh, and as a, uh, um, the, the stigma that, quote, mental health uh, has, has had historically and, and culturally, our culture here in America still struggles with quote, mental illness uh, and behavioral health. It's a stigma. And, and uh, people, uh, once I think people understand or accept the idea that, you know, this is just like a broken arm uh, or catching a cold or the flu. And um, it's, it's uh, but, you know, it's always, quote, sort of a sign of weakness. And uh, that's, that's uh, in, in the uh, Department of Defense, that's not uh, something that's um, uh, heralded, that's for sure. And if you say, uh, you know, you're not feeling well, uh, it's one thing if you're limping, it's quite another uh, to tell your commanding officer, listen, I can't go on that mission because I just, I just don't feel up to it right now. Um, and uh, so it's, it's, it's a, there, there's a, still a huge stigma associated with it. And when you leave the army, you carry that cultural um, uh, uh, that cultural identity uh, with you, and so you're strong. Uh, you're a rugged individualist. Uh, you're going to complete the mission no matter what, and and that doesn't uh, that doesn't speak to uh, stopping and saying, you know, I, I don't I don't really feel very well. Um, uh, I'm I'm um, you know, uh, getting a lot of people angry at me, and uh, I just don't understand it. And so, uh, reaching out for help is a, is a very, very difficult thing to do. Like I say, we've been trained to, uh, no matter the, the challenge, we overcome it, we adapt, we overcome, and uh, move on. And so, that uh, none of that says, please help me. So, um, it's it's uh, it's it's not an easy thing to do, uh, certainly within the service, and certainly uh, afterwards. Mm -hmm. And with all of the other challenges and things that you're thinking about when you're transitioning out of the military, it's like you you probably don't even realize it. All of the things that made you successful and made you survive in a combat environment you almost have to completely ditch that and move on. And that's hard to do. That's hard to separate everything that you've known for so long and say, okay, now I'm going to be this type of person. I mean, that's just not really a normal thing to do. It's not normal to be able to successfully compartmentalize things like that. And so I can see where that would be a real struggle and there would be that stigma that's attached to it. Well, you're exactly right. And, and uh, one of the things, and you hit on it, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of expand a little bit on it, but you know, when you're when you're uh, you know early 20s and and you've you've completed your service, 
and you've basically got all your life in front of you, uh, you're, you're dealing with a whole lot of things that you, a lot of challenges. You know, how are you going to support yourself? And if you're married, you know, what about your wife? What about your, your kids? Um, you know, what, what do I do now? Uh, where do I, where do, you know, where do I go? I've always been told, you know, that uh, you go here and do this. And, and now you're, now you don't have any of that, that built-in support. And so, and again, you may be coming out of a combat situation where you lost friends. Um, they're still there. So you're dealing with that. You're dealing with all these emotions and all these uh, really logistical challenges all at the same time. And it's really difficult sometimes to uh, um, stop and, you know, the old adage, how to eat an elephant and, and it's sort of one bite at a time. And, and, uh, but you, you, you look at that whole elephant and, and it can be absolutely overwhelming. Uh, and so uh, that comes out, you know, I mean, there's, there's behavior patterns and, I, I took the same same behavior pattern. I drank more than I should have, um, and uh, uh, I was functional. But you know, there were times when I just uh, continued to drink, and uh, um, so that you know those kinds of those kind of behaviors. And you know, uh, again, I was fortunate. I didn't go you know too deep into you know my uh, my, my drinking habits. I don't feel like I was an alcoholic. Um, my wife at the time indicated that, you know, maybe it's time to stop drinking, and uh, mm -hmm. I, I did. Uh, but, that, that, you know, it's still not addressing the underlying issues. And uh, so I pushed them away because I was going to school, I had a job, uh, now I had a spouse and had all these things going on in my life. And so I pushed those kinds of things away uh, because it was easy to, and I had all these things that, you know, filled my life otherwise, but um, and you know then then the uh, some sometimes this stuff sneaks up when you have, and then you experience a large life change maybe a little later. For instance, you may get divorced or you may be a you know widow or widower. You maybe you lost a spouse. Your kids have moved out and you're sitting there you know, staring into the TV set, going, "Well, now what?" And, and then some of these things kind of come back. And so that's what one of the, I mean, if you look at the older veterans um, who, who've experienced these huge life changes, uh, are now kind of turning inward and they're going, hmm, what about this thing? And uh, that's when they tend to, uh, 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 you know, either reach out for help uh, or someone mentions it because all those other challenges are now behind them. And, and, uh, they start, uh, in fact, you know, unfortunately, um, something like 60% of veteran suicides are uh, committed by people over 55 years old. And so um, that's a, a, a large part of the population. But if you look at them demographically, um, uh, they may be single again. They may not, you know, they may not be uh, uh, in, a, in a relationship. Kids are gone. Uh, they're retired or don't have a job. And life looks a whole lot differently now, and uh, they start going over their lives and thinking about some of those things. So um, uh, that that uh, it's not an unusual circumstance, and uh, that's a that's a great time, uh, you know. Instead of turning to uh, drugs, alcohol, or anything else, maybe it's a good time to uh, reach for your fam, you know, talk to your family. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you know, and you mentioned with the Army mentality of just putting your head down and powering through it. I think when you're getting out and you've got all these other things that are on your mind of what do I have to figure out, whether it's, yeah, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to support my family? It's easy to put the um, emotional and mental aspects on the back burner because diving into it and kind of dealing with it at the core and, you know, trying to address it and get seek counseling, that can seem in my mind more daunting than any of the other things probably on your to-do list. So um, I, I know that that's why it can be put on the back burner a lot, but w what would you recommend for any veterans who are listening if they are facing a mental health challenge? What would you recommend them doing? Well, there's, there's uh, several places to go. And and uh, uh, you know the uh, the VA is a is a great place to start. You can go to va.gov uh, and just follow the tabs. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. Uh, most states have a in fact all states have a uh, 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 veterans services or veterans affairs department at the state level. Um, there you can find um, what they call veteran benefit counselors. And uh, they're they're certainly equipped to um, uh, uh, guide you, navigate you towards uh, resources. Um, we're fortunate here in Arizona that uh, we have a program called Be Connected. Now it's a pilot program, and I think we participate with I think maybe five or six other states. And uh, it's a it's a program designed to make sure that. The, uh, the veteran or the, serv the service member or the family member uh, can uh, uh, find the resources that they need. And so through, you know, conversation, uh, uh, explaining the situation, uh, those navigators are prepared to um, look for a, a good local re uh, uh, resource for you. Uh, and again, that's for not only the veteran, but uh, family members and service members. So. Um, and if you just kind of want to know what uh, what other veterans are doing, uh, there's a great site. It's called Make the Connection, uh, and you can just Google it, and it'll take you to a site uh, where uh, there's, I think, about 500 now uh, video stories of veterans, and you can find a veteran just like you. So if you're a Vietnam veteran, uh, and you served in combat, and uh, you're male, and you're a certain age group. Uh, you can you can click on all those little boxes, and it'll take you to um, a whole list of videos uh, with stories of veterans uh, about how they you know what their challenges were and how they overcome how they would overcome them. Now, on, a, on a personal note, let me tell you this. <laughs> this is, I have a nephew that I haven't seen for several years, but he was in the service and, and left the service. And um, uh, he uh, called me one day and he said, Uncle David, I, uh, I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm out of the service now. And he says, I was online and kind of perusing and uh, uh, I came across this site called Make the Connection. And I saw you on it and you urged people to reach out to their families. And he said, I'm doing that. He says, I can't talk to my dad, I can't talk to my sisters, but I think I can talk to you. And we chatted, and so um, he uh, reached out to the VA, 
uh, and uh, started his course of, of uh, interaction with them. And um, so that was, <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking when I did that video, ah, you know, well, you know, maybe somebody will look at it. But here it was that uh, it was actually a, a family member, my nephew, who, who uh, saw it and reached out to me. So to me, that that's uh, really, really worth it. So I would, mm -hmm. I would urge people to go to that site and take a look. And then um, uh, there's some other, there's a resource, uh, there's resource tabs on that uh, on that page. And I would urge you to uh, uh, participate. And you never know who you're going to reach. So that example that you gave about your nephew, that's, I mean, it just goes to show you that by sharing your story, you can impact so many people. And you never know. It could be someone that you know. It could be someone you've never met before, but you still have an impact on them. So it's really important to do that. Um, you know, David, you've mentioned that your sister was very instrumental in you reaching out initially and getting help. So if there's anyone that's listening to this that maybe can't relate on a personal level, maybe they have not experienced PTS, but they know somebody or they might be worried or suspect that somebody that they know is experiencing it. Um, what would you recommend that they do and kind of how can they recognize those symptoms? Well, you know, it, it goes to listening to, for starters. Um, you know, when some somebody says over a, quite a period of time, I'm not sleeping well or had nightmares and, you know, my back aches, my head aches, my, you know, just, uh, you know, just uh, they're, they're communicating a level of wellness that uh, is not good. And uh, so it, it, it goes to listening. Uh, and, and once you listen to that, um, and you know, again, you can you can go on 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 uh, on the computer and Google uh, PTS symptoms and read all about it. I mean, it goes to nightmares and sleeplessness, and uh, you know, uh, maybe there's some alcohol abuse there, uh, anger, uh, shortness of temper. Uh, I mean, you know, we could kind of go on and on, but uh, uh, at that point, you know, uh, I think you really have to ask not only yourself. Uh, as maybe a spouse or a sibling or a family member or a friend, um, uh, this person is exhibiting uh, a low level of wellness. They're not, they, they don't seem happy. They don't seem uh, to participate uh, fully. Um, conversations are usually, uh, you know, one word responses and things like that. So, um, and for that, there's also the va.gov. You can go to the VA. Uh, you can go to make the connection as a family member, and and uh, look for resources there. Uh, they're out there, and and there's there's quite a few of them. And so uh, I would say, you know, get informed as best you can, and uh, look for those resources starting online, and then make those phone calls and make that connection. Uh, with the VA or your uh, state veterans affairs department uh, and, and get a navigator, get somebody to, uh, to help you out and navigate that system. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that your sister was very persistent. And so I think that's the key here too, is being persistent and doing it in a loving way. Obviously, if you're thinking about approaching the person, you care about them and their well-being. So um, just keeping that in mind and knowing that if they maybe turn you away the first couple of times to keep at it. Don't be, don't be intrusive, but you know, there's a way that you can still be persistent and help out and let them know that 
you know, at the very least, if they don't want to seek professional help, they can talk to you as well. Sure. And, you know, uh, just just to tell you how wonderful my sister is. Oh, they're all they're all great. <laughs> I, you know, I love them to death. Uh, um, but, you know, this sister was was, uh, you know, pretty instrumental in, in, in my well-being. And and I remember very clearly she always started the uh, the conversation with, you know, I really do love you. It was just like, well, what do you say after that? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not something that you, you know, uh, I don't think anybody could could say, well, no, you don't, and you probably hate me, and right. <laughs> it's just not something. I mean, when somebody starts a conversation by telling you very sincerely and very lovingly that they love you, um, it's 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 pretty darn hard uh, to, uh, I'll say, wriggle out of that one. Uh, you just can't, and and uh, uh, so she was, and she was persistent, and uh, but uh, I, I'll, you know, I want to emphasize she was very loving as well. So, uh, being persistent and being loving, uh, I think, is the right combination, and um, hopefully, your loved one will seek help uh, uh, and uh, you know uh, attain that you know higher level of wellness. It's uh, and well-being it's 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 worth it and even for anyone who's listening to this um you know maybe they are the person and not the family member they're the person that is struggling with it um these are even some ways that you can express to your family ways that they can help you to your family and friends if you feel like someone is not being loving in their approach or um you know, being maybe more accusatory than helpful, you could tell them, you know, this is what would help me if you tried to talk to me in this way. And hopefully that helps kind of open up the lines of communication a little bit as well. Yeah. And, you know, all the sites that I mentioned, they're they're, they're available for uh, uh, family members or, you know, people who are, uh, uh, have a relationship with a a veteran, uh, no matter what it is. I mean, uh, you know, whether it's a uh, you know, a, uh, uh, a deep and abiding relationship with the woman you love uh, or the man you love. Uh, it it uh, um, there's there's help there for family members as well, children included. And so um, uh, there's a lot of things out there where you can get help. Uh, and uh, to, in order to approach the, the 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 veteran or the service member, and uh, in a, in a in a very positive way, so um, you know there's a lot of resources out there. Uh, I, I'd, I'd be very optimistic, and um, you know take that first step, make the connection, uh, take a look, and uh, remember that uh, there's a lot of people out there who do love you, uh, which mm-hmm. is uh, again pretty pretty different than when you're stepping out of a combat situation where you know. You, you lack sleep, the food is bad if there is any, uh, and uh, to complicate matters, uh, everybody you meet wants to kill you. So um, this is not that environment. This environment is, is one that uh, is supportive and loving, and uh, they want to help. People want to help. I mean, that's just the empathetic nature of people. And mm-hmm. so um, I would say, you know, give them a shot, you know, take a chance. Spin that wheel of fortune because uh, there is no there is no bad number that comes up. That's for sure. I think that's great advice. And uh, David, I really appreciate you sharing your story today because I think that 
like I said, it's not a topic that we've covered on this podcast before, but I think it's um, more important than anything else that we have covered in the past. So I appreciate you sharing your story and, um, you know, volunteering all this information and hopefully helping anybody who is struggling with this currently. Well, I'm keeping my fingers crossed uh, that uh, uh, someone or maybe a couple of people will um, hear this uh, uh, hear this podcast and uh, take advantage of um, a lot of mistakes that I made and uh, uh, and uh, jump out there a little sooner and uh, you'll get better quicker. Well, very good, David. Thanks so much. And um, if, is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up? Uh, never give up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Persistent. Yep, that's great advice. Well, David, thank you so much. Like I said, I really appreciate you being on with me today, and um, hopefully this will be helpful to everyone who's listening. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond. So make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.